You all need to go to the toilet now. <laughs> Fantastic. I just went, so. <laughs> you know, there's a couple of times at school where rain was really exciting. When I was in grade five, every time it rained, we used to hop underneath one of our buildings and there were these rivers that went through there and so it was just dam time and you used to sit there and get rocks and build up dams and, and get ships and float them down and it was really exciting until the school decided that it wasn't safe and started putting a fence around under all the buildings for us. Although holiday time, who's on school holidays now? Ooh. Yes, exciting for the kids, parents are counting down the weeks, one down, five to go. And... But remember school holidays are just going, and I got some questions, I do apologise young people, I don't have a science experiment today, uh, I know, because of carols tonight, we're going to, you do have a short sermon though. I was expecting more excitement than that, that was just key, there you go, thanks, there you go. Um, Holidays, I, I disliked the rain, it wasn't fun because you couldn't go see friends, I lived next to the bush. I wasn't allowed to go play in the bush or play in the backyard with the rain. When I got older, I was allowed to play more Nintendo, so that was more exciting uh, within there. But rain was one of these hindrances, and so on holidays, it just really, it was irritating and in the way. And so maybe if that, if you think like me, um, what Elijah said to Ahab over the school holidays, I'm thinking I might talk some of the big stories in the Bible. We'll just do some stories in the Bible. Um, so in 1 Kings 17, we get this little verse here. Elijah, who is from Tishbeth in Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain for the next few years until I give word. And if I heard that as a young fella on school holidays, I would have excited, go, yeah, this is great. I get to go out skating and hang out with my friends. This is wonderful news that there's not going to be any rain. However, the king didn't think it was that good. He didn't think it was that great a news. And actually what this set up, this whole statement set up this battle between who actually is God. Because they were actually serving some people called Baal and Ashtoreth, and they were worshipping other gods in there. And so it set up this thing of going, because all the other prophets got around and went, nah, he's just full of rubbish, don't listen to him. So it set up, is God God, or is Yahweh God? Or uh, is Baal God? And, and it set this conflict up. And more than that, it set up this whole scene of going, is Elijah someone who is the voice of God in this place? And so you got to think, someone comes to you and says something like this, you think they're going to hang around and watch what happens. Someone comes and gives you big news, they usually want to see your reaction. I know if someone comes and wants to give you a hard time and rip you down, they want to make sure that you are hurting in your face. And that they know there is pain caused inside you. But not Elijah. He does this and he takes off and God says, I'm going to look after you by a brook. And so he goes down to this river and and it says he set up camp there. So he got his tent out and got his swag out and camped down there. And birds came, ravens came every morning and gave him food in the morning and night. Now it's one of these things when you start thinking about the Bible. I've watched the Discovery Channel. I've seen how birds feed their babies. 
I feel, really feel bad for Elijah. If, if it happened like that, did the ravens go out, catch some worms and snakes, get up there, chew it up, and fly down and say, okay, Elijah, open up. And they flew down and dropped in chewed worms into his mouth. And I, I see what that's... I, I hope for his sake it wasn't like that, but that's what went on. And then it said the brook dried up, and so he went and he stayed at this widow's place. And the widow that he met said, hey, how about you give me some food? He, he was a typical university student at this point. Walked into someone's house, what is there to eat? Or a teenager at this point. And um, so, you know, when stories come to your head and you go, I probably shouldn't say that. So, that's one of those moments. Um, so, he walks into this widow's house and it says, What do you got to eat? Feed me. And she said, No, I don't, I'm going to go actually and cook the last meal for myself and my son because we don't have enough. It's like, Well, just hang on a sec. Cook me a little bit first. And then do what you said, and surely as God is God, you'll have oil in your pot and your flour won't run out. And so she did that. She cooked him some food and he ate and then they ate. And they kept on eating day after day after day after day in the middle of this famine and drought. Until such a time as her son got sick. And then she says, why did you come and keep him alive? At least we both would have died at the same time and it would have been better for us. And like, This isn't of God. So he went and laid down next to him and prayed. And the, the son survived, and he came back to health. And then three years pass. And so he says this thing to Ahab, oh, there's not going to be any rain, your land's going to have no water, it's going to be in drought, no food. Three years go by, and they don't see him at all. He's been camping and, and hanging out at this B&B for a while. And then he rocks back up one day, and he's walking down the road, and he finds Obadiah. And Obadiah had... He was a man after God, and he had set some prophets in a cave. And he came, and he saw Elijah, and he's like, oh, Elijah. And Elijah sees Obadiah, and he knows him, and they recognize each other. Hey, Obadiah, can you go and tell Ahab I'm back? And to summon all the prophets, and, and I want to go see him. And Obadiah's like, no way, buddy. He has it in for you. And if I go and tell him you're here, and you, then you take off again. You, you're just one of these guys that... You show up and you just create mischief. You're just going to run away. Because if I go tell him that, well, he's going to take, take me out the back and give me some concrete boots and have nowhere to put you because it's in drought. But, no. <laughs> Ahab wasn't the smartest man. So, so he said, no, no, I'm going to get... And it's just like when you're playing cricket in the backyard. Go on here, you hit it over the neighbor's fence through the window. No, you go tell dad. No, you go tell Dad. No, I'm not going to go tell. And they've got this conversation going on. Anyway, Obadiah goes off. Ahab comes and he tells him, hey, get everyone. Let's go up the top of Mount Carmel. Grab all the prophets. So 450 prophets of Baal and, and 400 prophets of Asherah come up and they have this showdown at the top of Mount Carmel. Now, Mount Carmel was this place in Israel which was the most, it was one of these places everyone just wanted a piece of. The, there was an altar of the Lord, the prophets of Baal wanted to worship there because it was on top and there was this forest on top and there was a natural spring through it. It was land where you could see anything. It was a favorable piece of land, just like H-Block was when I was at school. And um, you know when you're at school and there's always this one place you want to sit and then everybody else will sit there and you've got to get there at the beginning. I remember finally in year 12, we got the property that we wanted to have and we could store our bags there. And, and, and then it wasn't as exciting as every other year we wanted to have it. Or it's like the back seat on the bus. 
Did anyone else ever get kicked out of the back seat of the bus? Like you went there as a year eight kid and sat in the back row of the bus in school and then you had these big year 11 and 12 guys come down and look at you and, and pretty quickly you moved because you were afraid of what your face would look like after their fist hit it. Um, yeah, good. Not just me. Fantastic. Um, so this is what I did. Yeah, this is one of those places up there that they had. And so what they did is Elijah said, okay, let's get some cows because cows are great or bulls. And, and they got these bulls up the top of the mountain. So that would have taken some effort. And they said, now, great. Okay, what you're going to do is you go prepare an altar over there, cut some steak out and have a barbecue although you can't light the fire. And so they do this, and they set up their altar and set up everything on it. And then it says they start dancing around some, some random fire dance. Now, I don't know what fire dances look like, but yesterday I was um, cutting some downpipe out with my grinder, and for some silly reason I didn't wear glasses at first, and, and I didn't wear long pants or anything like that. Yeah, thank you for the shake of a head there, David. So I went and found glasses pretty quickly, but I know what the fire dance looked like from the sparks on the grinder that were hitting my leg pretty soon. So I reckon they're dancing around doing this whole thing around this altar for the next, what was, three hours at least that they were dancing around the altar. And then actually the whole thing, what they started to do is they started to self-harm. Self-harm's not a new craze that's come in now. It's in the Bible and it's there. We'll, we'll talk about that at another point on, on how that's just there. But they started to do that. And after three hours of doing their fire dance around this thing, Elijah's sort of watching them and going, maybe, maybe you need to get a little bit louder. Shout a little bit louder. And so they start dancing more and shouting louder around this altar. And eventually, you can just imagine Elijah's sort of sitting down well, if it's this weekend, he'd just be sitting watching The Ashes and um, enjoying Steve Smith and just going, what happened to Mitchell Marsh? How did that ever happen um, within there? And just sitting there and going, oh, something going on. Hey, I know, your God's on the toilet. He's gone to relieve himself. Maybe you need to call the louder. It's just like when you go knock on someone's door and they don't answer because they're at the back of the house on the loo. And so maybe your, your guy, Baal's just sitting on the toilet, so you need to yell a bit louder to him. And after three hours of this, he goes, finally, nah, that's it. That's it. Come over here, everyone. And he finds the altar of the Lord, and he goes and collects rocks. He goes and finds the finest rocks laying around the place. Who likes collecting things? Hang on, Josiah likes collecting rocks. He comes home everywhere with rocks. Remy comes home everywhere with things in his pocket. Used to collect sand, buddy. Did you know that? You collected sand every time you came home from school. Two pockets full, two shoes full. It was exciting. And it filled the back of the car because he'd take his shoes off as soon as he got in the car. It was just so wonderful. And then he started doing it in my office and I had to vacuum my office. Oh, no, thank you for the sympathy. That's very kind. And so anyway, he gets these 12 rocks and sets up the altar. Gets the bull, cuts it up on, and puts it on. Gets, the, gets a few ribeye steaks and sticks on top of the barbecue there. And then he says this weird thing. He's like, go get barrels of water. Now, we did this water slide the other day, which was a whole bunch of fun. We were down there in the park. I'll show you some videos next week of it. It was, it was great fun within there, and no one got injured. No? No one got injured? Yes. No, no injuries. It was a ball. We moved 680 litres of water 
down into there. And so we had these 60 kilo, 60 liter drums of water, which I was carrying off the trailer to the front of this, this thing. They're heavy. They get very heavy, these things. And, and so Elijah sits there and goes, I want you to get these drums of water. Now, I don't know how the spring, if the spring was operating, but we're in a drought. Where is he getting the water from to start with? If, if, there'd have to be a spring going on. But then he's coming and, and wasting seven drums of water. And then he does that three times. Pours it over there. 21 drums of water are poured on this altar. What an absolute waste of the most precious resource. He's trying to have a barbecue. I'd be really cranky. We had um, Susan's fan with us yesterday, and so we were having a barbecue. I would have got very cranky if someone had to come with a whole jug of water and poured over my sausages on the barbie there. That's how Elijah decides to do it. Then he sits down, and instead of doing some fire dance, sits down and prays, Lord, reveal that you are the true God. Reveal that you are God, and let people see that you are Lord. Fire comes down from heaven and consumes everything, including it sucks up the water from the moat around it, sucks up all the water, burns the altar. At the usual time for the offering, Elijah walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I'm your servant. Prove that I've done as you commanded. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so the people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust that even licked up the water in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, The Lord, He is God. Yes, the Lord is God. Now, it's one of these things. It's a miracle. Why did that happen? So that people would recognize who God is. God wants to do miracles in your world and your life. Why? So that people recognize who He is. That He is the Lord. That He is the one. And so this all goes on and then... He tells Ahab, go, go have a feast. Go have a feed. Go have something to eat and drink because I can hear rain. I can smell rain. And so Ahab goes and he goes off and does this. And then Elijah kneels down and he prays. It says he sticks his head between his legs and he doesn't look up. And he's got his servant there. And he sends his servant off. Now, can you just go check? Look over the ocean. And so his servant goes and runs off to the other side of the mountain. He looks over the ocean and he comes back. There's nothing there, Elijah. There's no cloud. There's nothing like you said. And, and so you think, oh, that's it. No, no, go have a look again. Okay. There's no cloud, Elijah. you think by this time it'd go a bit easy. Um, no, go have one more look. Okay. Oh, no, it's a boat. No, okay. No cloud there. And so this goes on, and, and, and seven times, you think by the seventh time, I, maybe Elijah's servant was a bit like me, not the fittest, and so he's, 
comes back on the seventh time and says, I see the size of a hand. I see a cloud coming up from the water the size of a hand. Coming there, and he says, fine, go. And he goes and finds Ahab. He sends Ahab home. Ahab must have been having a feast near him. He says, go, go home. And then Elijah wraps his tunic in him. And you know Elijah was fit because he ran and overtook Ahab at this point. Faster than Usain Bolt. We're getting slower as the years go on, not quicker. Um, and so Elijah gets that, overtakes him, and, and then you have the whole next part of the story that goes on in there. But, you know, the, the thing of the Lord is this. You might have been going through a dry part in your life. There might have been something in 2017 that just feels like it's lacking that substance, like biting into a, a dry steak and you're just like, this just isn't quite right. It just leaves that empty taste in your mouth and you're just longing for that, that juiciness to be there, that tenderness and that moistness that comes with it. Maybe it's in the area of your health or your finance or your friendships. Maybe there's been something that's been going on in your life where it just feels, maybe it's in your time with the Lord and it just feels dry. It's lacking that life within there. Maybe it's a time in your world that the gods need to be challenged. Maybe it's a time in your life where the true God needs to come out and say to the rest of the things in your life who he really is. Maybe there's things that you've been giving your attention to and your focus to and your energy to and your value to, which you've been lifting up higher than the Lord, been lifting up above God's place, been lifting up as more valuable in your time and more giving it more attention in yourself, paying more tribute to it than you have to the Lord. Maybe it's a time in your life for to go up Mount Carmel and to sit down and go, Lord, would you reveal who you are to these other areas of my life? And then watch as rain comes. Watch as rain comes. Now, here's one of the really neat things. So often we give our lives back. We get ourselves right before God. We come and place ourselves on the altar afresh. We've been walking. We know what we've been doing. We know we haven't been giving him the attention he deserves. We haven't been paying him the attention that we, we feel that we owe him and we know that we want to be doing and the closeness we want in relationship with him. And we sit there and then all of a sudden we go, it didn't work. This should have worked. I, this morning I went and I prayed and I opened my Bible for the first time in six months and I read John 3.16 and bam, it was amazing and it was wonderful and I closed it again and everything should be right but my family's not fixed and my finances aren't fixed and, and, and I, I'm not feeling better in myself. Even my mind's not set straight yet. You know, there was a miracle that was released that day when the gods were confronted and the gods were reordered in Israel. But it didn't happen immediately, the fix. Elijah didn't send Gehazi off and he didn't see the cloud the first time. There were seven times of him going to check within there. You know, when David was praying, Daniel was praying and, and praying for his country, he, the Lord said, I released the miracle straight away. But it just needed to come. It needed to break through the barriers that the enemies put up to get the answer to you. Maybe there's a time in your life as we look at and, and start to peek over to see what's coming in 2018. It's a time in your life to 
get those altars out and to place yourself back on the altar and to give God the glory and to give him the refocus and the time and the attention and the the decisions. But I want to encourage you, it might take two lookings. It might take three lookings. It might take seven lookings for the things to align that the Lord has sent you and that he desires to pour into your life for that freshness and refreshing to come in your world and in your lives. Would you just stand and pray with me this morning? You might be here and it's, it is that part. You're just like, man, I, I, I do need to let a battle happen in my world. I do need to let a battle happen in my heart. I need to let that fight happen for who I am and for who God is. There might be some things that the Holy Spirit's placing on your heart right now that you need to just lay down and you need to let be defeated in your attention and your thoughts. I just encourage you, as we pray now, just do that. Do that. Hand it over to him. Father, we come this morning and we recognize that in our world, Lord, there are times when we allow other things to take our focus. Lord, we allow other gods to draw our attention and to take our attention. Lord, we allow them to be set up in our world. So, Father, we ask this morning that, (coughs) Lord, you'd forgive us. Forgive us for, for setting, Lord, movies and TV, Lord, for setting other relationships, Lord, for, for setting, Lord, selfishness and lust and pride up before you, greed, anger before you, desiring these things as greater than you. And Lord, this morning, we want to come back to you and say, you, Lord, are the one true God of Israel, of Australia, of this church, of my life. And you're the one we want to serve and follow. You're the one we want to commit our lives to, commit our attention to. Lord, there's been areas in our hearts and our lives that have been dry. And Lord, we just need your rain. We need your rain just to pour into us, Lord. And just to flood into our lives, Father. And Lord, so we look and we want to continue just to look to you, look towards heaven as the source of that, for nothing else is going to provide that, Lord. Lord, and I just lift my brothers and sisters here to you and just ask that you would give them the grace and the patience to look for that. And that right now, Holy Spirit, we invite you in for a refreshing in our hearts and lives, Lord. And this morning, if you're here and you just want someone to pray with you, maybe something around that or just something going on in your life at all, You know, the altar's open, and as we just worship, I just invite you forward. And we'll just pray with you and just believe and join faith with you for what God wants to do in your world.